Thank you for downloading the Engineering Commons podcast. In this episode, we talk with Grady Hillhouse, a professional civil engineer who also produces videos about the engineering profession on his YouTube channel, Practical Engineering. The Engineering Commons explores challenges encountered by engineers, regardless of field or industry. Join Adam, Brian, Carmen, and Jeff as they discuss issues of interest to today's engineering professional. This is episode 118, Practical Engineering, October 17th, 2016. So, Brian, do you ever try to learn things from other disciplines of engineering and science outside of your normal field of electrical engineering? Well, I loved some aspects of uh, mechanical engineering, especially drilling and tapping my own holes um, uh, on heat sinks and in enclosures and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, since I tried to build that bridge a few years back in the Twin Cities, it, I've generally stayed <laughs> away from it. <laughs> you made sure to move your new house uh, away from that commute? I no longer stand underneath it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Paper mache was a poor substitute for a steel I-beam. There was great cost savings though, right? Yes. I mean, it's way lighter. <laughs> yeah. The weight reduction's off the charts. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I dabble myself as well in various other fields, you know, here and there. I would never call myself an expert. Uh Probably not even an amateur, but, you know, and I do what I can to, to learn what I can here and there. Yeah. Did I not see pictures, Carmen, of you wielding a chainsaw at one point? Uh, no, that was a reciprocating saw, Jeff. <laughs> I oh. Don't, I don't try to fell trees. I, I may be dumb, but I ain't stupid. Oh, well, in my in my memory, it was, you know, it was a very, very uh, macho looking picture. I, I just envisioned you with the chainsaw. Yes, that was that was last year, and then earlier this summer, I was playing with reciprocating saws, and possibly again <laughs> in the future as I try to level out my cuts, but that's a story <laughs> for another time. Are we talking Sawzall, or are we talking about uh, jigsaws here? Uh, I mean, we're, we're not officially sponsored by Milwaukee yet, but yeah, it's a Sawzall. Yes. They've gone Kleenex. I mean, that, that all reciprocating saws are Sawzalls. Exactly. That's true. And I always get the biggest, fattest demo blade just to make myself feel more macho. <laughs> exactly. It's not It's not load-bearing until the wall falls down. Exactly. You didn't remove enough material then. Actually, that is literally my favorite thing about Reddit is watching people post uh, remodeling picture series and then having people comment, yeah, that wall you removed to open up the room was load-bearing. <laughs> we should do a whole episode of Blunders by Amateurs. Yes. I've nominated you to put the show notes together. <laughs> uh, when I have time. Well, it's just something else we'll have to learn how to do. I'll pencil it in for 2020. Perfect. So so as we all struggle outside of our day-to-day our -day job, uh, some people take it to another level. And our guest tonight is one of those people. Uh, he makes it a point to constantly expand his horizons. And he not only tries to learn these concepts himself, but also teach them to others as well. During the day, he's a civil engineer from Austin, Texas, but by night, he's a YouTube rock star who runs the Practical Engineering channel. This channel explores a wide range of topics from watt balances, space elevators, measuring fluid flow, and gardening. Grady, welcome to the Engineering Commons. It's great to have you on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Anytime. You're always welcome. <laughs> 
All right. So uh, let's start off with uh, some standard questions here for the engineering commons. Are you currently drinking a beer? I am not. Oh, any sort of alcohol? <laughs> no, just water for me tonight. <sighs> Man, we're going to have to start over. <laughs> You're giving wrong answers already. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I guess we'll forgive you because, you know, you're a celebrity and all. <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, we all have faces for radio, clearly. We're just hiding, you know, behind the anonymity <laughs> of the Internet. You're out there for all to see. <laughs> well, <laughs> you probably noticed I only put my face on there for about five seconds for every video. <laughs> it's just it's just to keep the views, uh, the viewers titillated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, a, you're an international man of mystery. <laughs> But uh, I'm sure we'll dive into your channel, you know, later on in the episode. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> but, uh, you know, starting from the beginning, what, what got you into engineering? Did you always want to work on uh, infrastructure and civil engineering? Um, my, my road to engineering was pretty uh, windy. <laughs> I, I actually, my undergrad degree is, is in geography. So um, – I've always been interested in infrastructure and construction, but uh, was never really exposed to engineering as a career until, you know, I was almost finished with my undergraduate degree and I was working an internship with a state agency and we had some engineers employed and I, you know, I got to talking with them and realized that that was really, uh, that was for me. So I ended up applying to graduate schools Um somehow uh was able to get into graduate school for engineering and and it took me longer than it sh than it would take most people but I did end up getting a master's degree in civil engineering um and pass FE test so you know I got it I had to take quite a bit of undergrad coursework as a part of that master's degree but I got it all done and and it it took me about, I think, three years to get my master's degree, but it's still not bad. I mean, no, it's not you, terrible. You have a lot of the prewex covered, at least, you know, the math and the science and stuff. Or did you start no. from calculus? <laughs> I mean, I had Calc one. That that was as far as I had gone in math. Um, yeah, no science, no, none of the physics, nothing. So it, I kind of started from scratch. Um. It's still so, pretty impressive so, then that you did it in three years. Yeah, it was a tough three years. I'll say that. But I assume that was going through the the winter semester uh, during Christmas there and summer too, as you could. Uh, actually, not the. We didn't have winter. I, I did. I went to Texas A and M for my master's degree. Oh, they. I don't think they have the winter semesters, or maybe they do, but only a few classes. But but definitely the summer classes. I was taking those. Makes for a fun year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's the price you pay for changing your mind that late in the game. True. About what you want to be. <laughs> but you probably offset your uh your your AC costs heated, you know, cooling your home in the Texas heat by just staying in the library. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't matter what yeah. your home was doing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a challenge, but but you I mean a lot they always say it that that when you know you know and with civil engineering, you know, I I, I'm certain that that it's what I want to be doing. I I love my job. Um, I love I love what I do when I get up every day. So uh, I'm I'm thrilled that I found my way to it. That's pretty awesome. Um, so 
Adam, our wonderful co-host, is kind of focusing on road design. Do you have a specific area where you, uh, you're gravitating towards? I do. Um, I work for a private consulting firm doing what we call it water resources design, but in our company, it's, it's almost exclusively, um, work on dams. So, uh, large hydraulic structures and water retaining structures. Which is, as far as the, the fields of civil engineering are divided, uh, it's very multidisciplinary. You know, there's structures, there's a lot of geotech, there's um, water resources, hydraulics and hydrology. So it's a good mix of most of the fields of civil engineering. I kind of focus on the wa- on the hydrology and hydraulic side, but I dabble in a little of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I'm sure uh, your day-to-day is pretty varied instead of always running into the same old, same old. Yeah, because dams are so multidisciplinary, um, there's not a lot of firms that that do work on dams. And so, yeah, you you really get exposed to a lot of unique challenges, a lot of really neat historic structures. Uh, Mm. it's, It's just really cool. Historic structures there making your blood blood curdle a little there. Adam. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. All right. We'll, we'll let you rant in a future episode when we're not paying Every our civil guests engineer. <laughs> Every civil engineer has a bad story about about historic structure. Is it is, is it like the old building codes that they were built to and trying to modernize them while still maintaining authenticity or yeah, so most states have are have you know antiquities regulations that and it varies state by state. But you know, anytime there's a historic structure involved, it's just another layer of bureaucracy that you've got to go through. It's a really thick layer. <laughs> awesome, a really really thick layer. <laughs> on, a, on a scale of one to trying to get new plates uh, at the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so trying to get new plates at the DMV is about a five, and this is about a seventy. Oh, all right, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> <sighs> I'm glad that historic antiquities doesn't extend to electronics. <laughs> Yet, yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Watch some of these guys ripping apart old tube amps online, just going to jail. Yeah, exactly. Just door gets kicked down. <laughs> <laughs> So, Grady, let me ask this. Uh, I mean, we keep hearing that the, uh, you know, the infrastructure here in the United States is not receiving the attention it needs. And so I'm, I don't hear about a lot of new new dams being built. Is that they're just smaller scale and so we don't hear about them? Or is, is much of what's being done is retrofitting and maintenance? Yeah. So the heyday of dam construction is pretty much over. Mm-hmm. and. Well, it's well over, and there's a lot of reasons for that. One uh, one of the big ones is just the environmental aspects. So when you inundate large swaths of land, that there's a big environmental cost to that, and and it used to be palatable, and now it's not mm-hmm. to most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big part of it, and and the permitting, and all. I mean, there's the the amount of bureaucracy that you've got to go through just to permit a new dam with a permanent pool is uh, it it's incredible. I mean to to start from scratch it would probably take you on the order of 20 to 30 years to build build a new reservoir 
you know, of, of any appreciable size. Hmm. So that's one of the biggest parts. There's still, there's still new dams going up. In fact, I've worked on a few. Most of them are flood control structures where the, where there's no permanent pool. It's, it's a normally dry reservoir and it only fills up, um, during a flood event. And then, you know, that slowly gets released until it dries up again. Okay. So yeah, a lot of our work is focused on, on, um, rehabilitating existing structures. We do a lot of inspections. Um, and yeah, just kind of extending the lifetime of existing structures is a, is the majority of the work we do. Interesting. How often do you look to nature at the mighty beaver? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a good question. There's a lot, there is a lot of beaver related, um, <laughs> decorations in our, in our office. <laughs> But uh, I'm not sure. You know, a lot of the principles that that go into the design of dams and the analysis of dams is is pretty old. We've been building dams for a long time, and so <laughs> I don't know how much of it goes back. I don't know how much of it is beaver beaver related, but maybe a little bit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you have any beavers <laughs> as interns or anything? Are you hiring? <laughs> In case there are any beavers listening. <laughs> no, I don't think so. All right. So did your uh did your previous degree in uh geography help at all? I mean what what is a geography degree? I, I'm sorry to say I don't know. Is it geology yeah, so, and cartography mixed together or so it it really did help a lot. And a big part of it that is you know um the physical geography part where where you're looking at water resources, um things like that. That kind of contextual knowledge is helpful. Um, a lot of people who who have geography d- degrees are working in the public sector for regulatory agencies or um, municipalities or river authorities, and so that there's a lot of kind of background knowledge that helps a lot. Also, the the cartography and the mapping. Uh, um, if you've worked with geographic information systems, that's something. Uh, that we utilize really heavily in in the consulting world. And that was really helpful to come into, um, into a consulting engineer job with that kind of background. So it did, it actually, I was surprised to learn that, <laughs> um, a lot of that stuff did apply. Yeah. That's good. So even though you didn't have, you know, all the, the calculus and the, the technical science, you still seem to have this base layer that proved to be pretty helpful. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So, so at what point after you, you became an engineer did you decide you maybe wanted to start dabbling in uh, your own YouTube channel? <laughs> Was there like a career day at uh, you know your your wife's yeah wife's office? <laughs> that's exactly what it was actually. Well, and it's it actually starts before that. Um, my my father in law gave me some of his power tools. He you know he he had kind of gotten out of the hobby of woodworking and and he offered to give me some of his power tools. And I had never done any of that, but I was really interested in it. And, and I, so I took him up on his offer and, and brought some of his power tools home and, and of course turned to YouTube to kind of learn how to use them and, and how to do some woodworking. And if you, I mean, if you ever go on YouTube, this, the woodworking community on, on YouTube is incredible. I mean, there's, 
there's just loads and loads of people doing really cool woodworking stuff on YouTube and putting out like just content every week. Just really excellent creators in that. That really inspired me. Um, that looked like a lot of fun to me. And so that kind of got me interested. And, and then, like you said, it was doing career day at my wife's elementary school. My wife teaches kindergarten here in Austin. And, you know, I would build this. It happened a few times where I would build some kind of demonstration. Um, just to, because it's hard to compete with <laughs> the firefighters and the policemen. <laughs> As an engineer, and so there's no civil engineering like... calendars that people hang uh, <laughs> on their walls or anything like that. <laughs> no, but that gives me a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've floated it around a little bit here and there in the office. You know, just just one leg up on the workbench and a suggestively dangling soldering iron. <laughs> yeah, just, just putting exactly. it out there. <laughs> I'm available for photo shoots. <laughs> <laughs> but but those guys, I mean. When you're talking about elementary school students, it, it is a real challenge to to bring engineering down to a level where they where they can be inspired by it. And so, I would build these demos, which you know, just try to increase the engagement. And every t every group that would come through, the teachers would come up to me and say, "Oh, wow, you know, I, I really learned a lot from your presentation. I had no idea, you know, that that's how dams worked." Or Something like that. Mm -hmm. And it kind of dawned on me that, you know, most people don't have exposure to engineering, at least, at least to the level that they can, that they would be able to explain it to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that on the show before. It seems like a lot of people just meld science, you know, with a lab coat and eyeglasses, working with beakers yeah. and, and engineering all together. Yeah, exactly. And, and, it's hard for me to take a step back from engineering and bring my back myself back to, you know, before I knew anything about engineering and kind of put myself in those shoes. But it just dawned on me that, you know, people don't know, they don't know what engineers do. And, and that, that's what happened to me when I was a kid, I had no idea what engineers did. And so I took this kind of windy path and finally made it. But if I can inspire or not not even inspire, but just educate um, a few people about what it is that engineers do, what kind of problems an engineer solves. You know, that's kind of what motivated me to start making the videos. And the other part is I just have a really obsessive personality and I kind of, I, I get involved in, in, you know, just questions or, just little things that interest me and kind of dive deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and the YouTube channel kind of provides an outlet to that. <laughs> nice. So you, you would film yourself building these uh, little career day demonstrations and, you know, kind of go from there. It snowballed. Yeah, exactly. Nice. It, I mean, oh, I think I remember well, this one now. I knew I remembered your wife's career day from somewhere. Yeah. You, uh, it was like a big, I want to say poster board, but it was made out of wood and you had the different compartments where all the water went, you know, in the groundwater yeah. and everything. Yeah. That was one of them. Yeah. And I think the, another career day one was the tune mass damper, which was like a, a model skyscraper that could wobble around and they showed how to, how a mass damper would, would reduce the oscillation or reduce the magnitude of the oscillation. Oh yeah. So that that was, was a really cool one, cool one. I didn't know that one was for a career day. Yeah, I need to come up with one for this year. <laughs> <laughs>
So, do, so career day comes around about the same time every year. Yeah, I think it, I think it's in the spring every year. Okay, so you've still got a few months to come up with something. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> some time. So you know, you you got gifted some some woodworking tools, and you found yourself starting to dabble, uh, you know, in making career day projects and whatnot. Um, do you find yourself now just, just buying every tool in sight because you never know it's a business expense? <laughs> no, not not really. I try I try to limit myself. Um, I don't know. There's something to be said about using the right tool for the job, and so, and sometimes you just need the right tool. Oh, definitely. But, but I also, you know, when I think of the thing, when I think of the next thing I want to do, I think I I. I do the planning in the context of okay, what do I have available to me? Yeah. You know, I don't I don't have any metal working tools. So I can't I can't do things made of, you know, I can't do any fabricating with metal yet. But I kind of I kind of do plan my projects with that in mind. Mhm. So so what does your current garage or uh basement setup look like in terms of lay, you know, layout and equipment? Are you in a, a shoebox trying to work or do you have some space to spread out? <laughs> um I'm in we have a two car garage, but I'm in about half of that. Okay. And and yeah, so like I said, my shop's mainly set up for, for woodworking. I've got, you know, a table saw, a bandsaw, um a a wood lathe. And those are kind of the big ones. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a few other, you know, woodworking power tools like the the planer and the circular saw and, and jigsaw and stuff like that. And the rest of it's like hand, just mainly hand tools. Yeah. Um, yeah, the basic screwdriver, hammer. Yeah, just the basics. Cool. So I, I've seen in some of your videos you have uh, an oscilloscope and some power supplies. Is that all out in the garage yeah. too? Yeah, well – yeah, it's I keep it in a box so it doesn't so that stuff doesn't get too dusty. But I I am slowly trying to learn more about electronics and and circuits. So I've got some equipment related to that. I I got the bench power supply. I got the oscilloscope now. So I'm kind of slowly dabbling, uh, learning more. You know, that's I didn't I didn't mention it earlier, but that's a big part of the YouTube channel too. Is it it really is a way to motivate me to learn, you know, to to branch out and learn more, and it it kind of forces me to to gain some some experience in in fields that I don't have. Yeah, yeah. And circuits and electronics is a big one. I've learned a, a whole lot just working on the projects for the channel. For sure, and I'll say as a, a viewer of your channel, it's also kind of motivating to me too. Um, you know, the whole programming side of things. I, I focused on analog electronics and circuit design in school, and um, you know, I can I can hack together a script program and whatnot, but it's it's <laughs> definitely not a strength. And you know, watching you go from uh, you know, hey, I got gifted this Arduino to controlling your garden and um, you know your mass flow meter and everything is, is pretty impressive and it's it's got me looking for a project like that that I can do myself and you know teach myself you know if that guy can do it why can't I <laughs> <laughs> exactly if that if that civil engineer could do it anyone can exactly <laughs> yeah yeah look at this guy <laughs> that sounds about right <laughs> uh, awesome so it sounds, it sounds like you're well equipped then uh to tackle at least the most of the basic stuff that you're working with. Yeah, I try to be. It, it is a blessing the, to have the YouTube channel get as popular as, as it has because 
you know, that it's not a, it's not a huge sum of money, but that ad revenue does make it to where I can kind of self-sustain the channel. Oh, that's good. At least if it's self-sustaining and you can get your material costs and whatnot. Yeah. So materials and, and the, the, every, a tool every so often is usually completely doable within the budget of the channel, which, and that's really nice because it, it, it just, it makes it to where I don't feel like I have to <laughs> choose between family expenses and my hobbies. It's a real blessing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's always a good thing. Right. Yeah. Some some hobbies. I got I got friends who do racing and everything, and it's it's really not a hobby. It's it's a lifestyle. You are you have <laughs> yeah. to commit. You can't half-ass that sort of thing. Um, but you know you can half-ass podcast or a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And sometimes we do. Exactly. Yes. We, we've definitely had some episodes where we've, we've signed on and a guest fell through or whatever. And you, just, you know what? Let's just hit record and see what comes out. <laughs> Shh, Carmen, that was a secret. <laughs> no, it's all right. I want us to get on like Whose Line Is It Anyway or some kind of improv show. <laughs> now, uh, Carmen, did you mention what the name of this uh, YouTube channel is? Uh, yes, I did in the opening, but, oh, uh, yeah, we could, we could plug it again. You can't, you can't do that sort of thing enough here. It's the <laughs> practical engineering channel. Okay. So one of the things I wanted to know, Grady, is that you seem to have your, you've developed these uh, projects in a number of engineering areas. So about how long, uh, is the, uh, the period from idea to implementation? And oh man. J- j- Maybe to, maybe to help you focus on that a little bit, you know, you got some woodworking, you got some civil engineering videos, but, you know, like automating your garden isn't really related to any of those. How do you decide <laughs> what's worthy of a video? Um, it's honestly, it's tough and, uh, and I'm pretty fickle about it. Uh, I keep a running list. I, I think of ideas constantly and it, for me, number one, it's a real challenge to to try and figure out what's going to be interesting to other people. <laughs> and I, I do try to take that into account. I don't always do the best job of it, but I, it's more just, you know, when it comes time to think of a new project, I take a look at the list and, and see w- what sounds feasible, what sounds interesting to me, you know, right now yeah, and just kind of go for it. And, and like I said, my, I'm, my personality is just kind of geared toward just really diving in, reading, reading everything I can, um, condensing that information. It, it's a long process, but but the YouTube channel, just the the kind of the production schedule, it takes me about a month usually to do a video, and it's just kind of geared toward that personality where you know you get to you get to read a whole lot and kind of condense it down and then build something and and tie it all together. It just, I don't know if it, it just kind of works for my personality. Right. Right. Well, so one of the things that's nice about this podcast for me is I, I like doing instructional type materials, but the fact mm-hmm. that we do this as a group discussion means that I really can't go back and redo it. If, if I don't explain something <laughs> as clearly as that I want to, uh, too bad. The conversation right. goes on and I can't go back and redo it. Now when I'm doing say screencasts, where it's just me and I'm not happy with it, I end up redoing it and redoing it and redoing it. And I have to eventually cut myself off just because I'll never get done if I don't just go with it. <laughs> are, are, do you suffer from this uh, this level of perfectionism? Um, or do you just roll with it? 
No, not too bad. And well, and most of my vi- videos are completely scripted. I really enjoy writing. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's probably how that gets satisfied cuz when you write, it's it's a lot easier to, you know, to delete a paragraph and start over. Um, but what I try to do is, you know, just crank out a rough draft, let it sit for maybe a week, come back to it, and that kind of it, it gives me a fresh perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And what I usually end up doing is cutting a lot, you know, redoing a lot. And and what I just started, just for the the latest video about the watt balance, I just started. I've got a test screening group. It's it's about five to ten people, I think. Mm-hmm. And I I send a draft out to them, and let them, you know, watch the draft video and provide some feedback. Because you you guys are engineers, know. You never get anything right on the first shot. You hardly ever get it right on the second or third shot. Mm-hmm. Right. QC is crucial. And so um, that's kind of my way to crowdsource my quality control uh, so that so that I catch little mistakes and, and things that are unclear that you, when you're so invested in it, you just kind of miss that stuff. Sure. That yeah. little stuff. So are these friends and family? Are they like uh, no, high-level Patreon are- su- supporters? or? <laughs> it- it's it's anyone. Um, I've got on my website a form you could fill out, and I just add you to the list. And um, if it gets too big, I I've, I'll probably turn that link off so it doesn't show up on the website anymore. But right now, you know, it ends up just being kind of be the the people who are fans who visit the website so and who are interested in you know advanced screenings of rough drafts <laughs> of, of of engineering videos, which is, it's not a very big group. In general, yeah, oh yeah, I we we always find the same thing too when talking about the podcast. It's not just engineers interested in meta engineering, but also who want to listen to podcasts <laughs> about meta engineering and yeah. so on and so forth. And you left with about ten people. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're researching these topics for the video, you know, you've done the orbital mechanics one on on space elevators and everything. Is it just you sitting with uh, you know your basic physics textbooks from school and Wikipedia, or are, are you talking with people, you know, trying to set up interviews or something like that going on forums? You know, you, usually it is just me reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've thought about trying to incorporate, you know, experts and things like that. And, and I have, I have gotten in contact with some people, but I, I guess I'm kind of a loner. And, you know. and well, then you got to try and find experts to be on the show too, instead of just providing yeah. background material. And that, that's YouTube yeah. channels devoted to just that themselves. And yeah, exactly. Like like Destin from Smarter Every Day. He a lot of times he's got someone on on the video who's yes. an expert, and I really like that. But to me, you know, my the channel to me is a hobby, and. And to me, that sounds like work. <laughs> you know, i i kind of I kind of make the videos in the way that's fun, and it's a good diversion for me after work. Yeah. So I'm unless it's to unless it's because I just can't get the information or the 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 research that I need through other means. Usually, it's just me by myself. Yeah. I mean, I. I'm I'm a fan, so it's working so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and the nice thing is, if if uh, if it's by yourself, you kind of know the direction the discussion is going, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, I like that. Um, I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I, I there's a lot of YouTubers out there who do, you know, bring people on their on their videos and stuff, and I really enjoy that. But it's just that's not really my personality, and I think that I think for me, if I were to do that, it would it would just feel more like more of a job and less of a hobby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a skill you have to develop. I I remember listening yeah. to some of the earlier episodes when I first started doing this podcast, and just the the way I interview people now versus how I started is completely different. And yeah, it's it's a whole other skill set as opposed to just making and doing the videos yourself. Right. Well, the the one nice thing though, Grady, is that. Uh, it looks like you get to build lots of stuff, whereas we just talk about things on this podcast. You're, you're actually building stuff. You're getting to do the fun part. Oh, we could say yes. we're building stuff. I'm, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Hammering away over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that is the fun part. And and the, at least for me, it's it's one of the fun parts of the videos. But having, having the YouTube channel... I feel like improves that quite a bit. It makes building something more fun because you get to share it with other people and kind of having not the pressure, but, but the desire to, to make a video about the project. It, it motivates you to kind of work through. Cause a lot, a lot of these things that I build, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. It's really an experiment. Mm-hmm. And so I run into a lot of problems um, I break things all the time. You know, it's, it's a, honestly, a lot of the stuff I build <laughs> is a real struggle. And so sometimes that can get really discouraging and make you want to give up. But having the YouTube channel, um, kind of motivates me to push through those struggles and, and, uh, and finish, just tie a bow on those projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get it, get it to some sort of done instead of being the pile exactly. of, uh, half finished projects a lot of engineers seem to have. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I've got plenty of those too. Mm-hmm. Do you run into any uh, difficulties? You know, because you're doing a a YouTube channel instead of just a blog, or um, you know, posting photos to Reddit or whatever. Um, we're trying to position the camera so the viewer can both see what you're doing, and you could still do it safely. Uh, becomes an issue. Uh, I, I feel like trying to put a video camera somewhere would would pose its own set of challenges. I know Chris Gamble, one of the early founders of this show, runs into that when he does his electronics videos. Yeah. Electri- it is a challenge with electronics, especially when you want to get a cool soldering shot. <laughs> because <laughs> even even with a macro lens, you know, it's hard it's hard to really get in there and yeah. get a good shot. It's hard to make soldering most- sexy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when you do it right, it it is. I'm saving my good ideas for the, the calendar. The photo shoot, <laughs> <laughs> but generally no. I mean, I I'm not a filmmaker. I don't have. I really I don't have any formal training as far as m- making video. So I'm sure um, my inexperience shows. But I I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the shot. I just kind of put the put the tripod where it'll fit and and click play or click record. I mean. Mm-hmm. And usually, you know, usually that works. That works out pretty well, right? Do you already have like which which shots you want in order scripted out, or are you having to go back and and rearrange and cut 
and reorder your your shots when you get done. Yeah, that's almost all. Just uh, I I pretty much just <laughs> I think is this an interesting part of the project? If it is, I just put the camera on it and push record, and then and then when I I, I what I usually do is record the narration. And then just take the clips wherever they fit best in the narration and put them there. Mm, okay. And and for the uh, those that are interested in this stuff, what uh, software do you use to do this editing? I use Vegas to edit. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot of experience um, editing video, <laughs> other than you know, other than the YouTube channel. Um. So I know there's other options out there. I haven't really experimented with any of the other ones. And honestly, I, if you ask me why I chose Vegas, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> is it free? But it's wor- no, it's not free. Um, there is – Sony does ha- – I think it's Sony who makes it. They do have kind of a lower version of Vegas called Movies, Movie Studio or something. Oh, they didn't go with like Atlantic City or something? <laughs> <laughs> we know. But, it, but it's not very expensive. I think it's like $30 for the lower version. That's uh, not so, too bad. No, the cost of entry is not high. And honestly, I think that for the <laughs> – for the stuff I'm doing on YouTube, I think I probably could have got gotten by with that version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and did you have to buy a new camera to start this YouTube channel, or did you have one lying around? I d- I had one lying around. I ended up getting a new one, um, because my wife got jealous of me stealing <laughs> our camera. <laughs> so I said, "Well," and, and I got you know, the camera's covered in wood glue and stuff. So I ended up just buying my own so <laughs> to not have to deal with that. Right. But, you know, honestly the the mobile phones nowadays can record video almost just as well as as anything that's entry level anyway. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, it's it is pretty impressive what they can do these days. Yeah, it uh, it is incredibly easy to get into making making internet videos. The it's just it's got the the technology and the software has gotten it so approachable and inexpensive that um, it's really not a barrier to to entry at all. Mm-hmm. The motivation, however, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and sticking through all the you know the, the gotchas and the problems and the learning curves that you've discussed so far. That's yeah, that's where it really comes into play. <laughs> yeah. There's talent needed too. Definitely, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of bad internet videos. <laughs> oh, that's that is true, and and I am the producer of a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's is it definitely a learning process, and and I don't consider myself an expert at all, you know. And I I've never taken down any of my videos, so you can go back in time and kind of see the progression of of the quality, and and you can definitely see things get better. Yeah, we're we're the same way with the podcast. I don't even want to listen to episode 26 anymore when I jumped on. <laughs> and upgraded the audio since then and probably do for another one here as we've been talking. But uh, yeah, it's funny going back and seeing how far you've come. So are, are there any builds that you've done so far that uh, you know, you're know you really proud of? Like what's the one that stands out the most to you, whether it's because you had some ridiculous contraption to build or some difficult concept you didn't think you'd get? <laughs> you know, I th- when you ask that, I think 
immediately to the to the video about mechanically stabilized Earth. Oh, that one was a cool one. To me, as as I don't consider myself a geotechnical engineer, but I do I do do a lot of geotechnical engineering at work. To me, it was so boring. <laughs> and I thought, you know, it, it, it might be a cool demo. It's something not a lot of people know about. And I was talking to one of my friends about it, and he said, well, you should make a video about that. Yeah. So, w- And I thought, well, yeah, that'd be pretty easy. Yeah. So and, for those who don't know, what is mechanical or, uh, you know, reinforced oh, sure. earth? And why why isn't it something sexy? Like, you know. Yeah. So the, so the bill, the, the project that I did for the video is as simple as, it's it's essentially um sand it's a high powered sandcastle <laughs> yeah it's sand layered with with uh reinforcing elements and so what i used was window screen um in 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 actual mechanically stabilized earth applications you know for retaining walls and and bridge appro- uh approaches and stuff like that they use a product called geogrid or um just steel straps like and rebar when you're doing concrete it 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 functions similarly to rebar the the actual reinforcement is is a little bit different mm-hmm. when when it's in earth instead of concrete but but yeah i built you know just a, a cube of plywood and put some sand and layered in these these reinforcements and and I was finished with the video and I thought, well, you know, of course it wasn't, it wasn't really that impressive to me. And then I thought, what, what could I put on there that would be impressive? And so I jacked up my car and, and lowered the, one of the tires onto the cube just to, to try and demonstrate. Cause it's hard to see when you watch the video, it's hard to see it. It just looks like a block of sand, but it's hard to see how, how strong it really is. Yeah. Yeah. And compared to the basic sand, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And communicating that even with video was a challenge. And so I thought of, you know, lowering my car onto it and that video just got so popular. I think it's, I think it's the most popular one that I've made. And that I, I mentioned earlier, I never know what's going to be interesting to people. And that's one of the best examples of that. I just didn't realize how, interesting people would find that oh yeah and it's one of those things you would never think about i know when i saw it up on my youtube feed i was like what the hell is a mechanical reinforced earth and then next <laughs> thing i know you're balancing a car on a sandcastle <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that that's and you know as far as building something goes that was about as basic as it gets mm-hmm. but but honestly it's it's the one i'm most one of the ones i'm most proud of just because of how i i think it really struck it struck the perfect balance of you know simple enough that people could understand it but also um applicable to to people's everyday lives because you you see these walls everywhere you don't realize it but but you see them everywhere when you're driving um and so i think that it had just the right amount of of applicability and and interest to be just perfect. <laughs> That's what I've been striving for ever since, but <laughs> I, I have not hit, gotten another one like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Lightning may strike again. Yeah. yeah. So what, what was the most uh, technical build then, I guess, that you've done? I, it seemed like the watt balance would be up there. That one was... Oh, yeah. And for, for those yeah. who don't know, the watt balance is a way to standardize the kilogram 
in um you know not not tied to a physical object like it currently is in just standard units um yeah so i would definitely say it was the watt balance that project took me probably i think i think from when i found that paper by the by the NIST scientist who who had designed a Lego version of the watt balance. <laughs> that probably right there. You're like, well, if they did it in Legos, how hard could it be? <laughs> exactly. But it was hard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Especially yeah, yeah. for a civil engineer. Yeah, you had like feedback mechanisms going there. And yeah, oh, that, it was nuts. That was pretty cool to see. And I, and I never, I still haven't got it dialed in as, as well as I hoped I would. But yeah. Yeah, you still yeah, got pretty close. I mean, well, you measured what twenty kilograms, and you got like nineteen six or something like that. Yeah. So, and I did quite a bit of testing that wasn't shown in that video because it, it was already getting pretty long. But I, I was able to get within usually about ten percent mm-hmm. um, with all the things that I measured. And I think the real limitation was how accurately I can measure current going through the the electromagnet coil. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it worked. I got it working, and and that's that to me is an achievement in itself. But definitely, uh, that's I would say that was the most one of the most challenging ones. The other one was uh, the electromagnetic flow meter, which I never did get to work right. <laughs> Although I have tons of ideas for improvement if I ever get the get the motivation to to go back to that project to do, do a revisit. But, yeah, I would like to someday, but yeah. that one had me so defeated. I just had <laughs> I had to walk away from it. Well, I mean, I think I think the Mythbusters, Mythbusters waited till like season five or six before they revisited anything. So you got time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and honestly, that one got posted to Hackaday as one of their fails of the week, which <laughs> you know I'm honored uh, that it made it on there. But the the people who commented on that article. Some of them, I th- I think they work in you know the electromagnetic flow measurement industry because some people had some very specific and you know well researched or well thought out ideas for improving the the demonstration. Mm-hmm. So I saved all those because if I ever do come back to it, <laughs> yeah, I got some really excellent advice on on how to make improvements. Yeah, it's it's always surprising who pops up in internet uh, comments and forums, and oh, what man. kind of expertise really there is, is out there. It blows your mind sometimes. Yeah, you, you know, for the watt balance, um, one of the lead physicists for one of the watt balances at NIST emailed me, and he told me he was thrilled to see the video, and he said that uh, he he showed it to his kids to explain what their dad does at work every day. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. So he didn't just bring the Legos home. or the legos now in a uh vacuum sealed bell jar (laughs) yeah trying to preserve them (laughs) but yeah i've heard from so many neat people you know the the um some of the the aerospace related ones i've heard from scientists at nasa just you all you know when you have a wider audience you just get your your Projects get some exposure to some really neat people, yeah. And it's all that's one of my favorite things is hearing from people who, who really know what they're talking about. And <laughs> and I always ask them, you know, did I make any mistakes? And sometimes I do, 
but usually not usually they're minor mistakes yeah to to a first order it, it seems like your <laughs> your stuff is pretty correct i mean i'm not an expert in all those fields either but <laughs> um so it's the aerospace related you have the the space elevator and uh, one was um about meteors coming through the earth or the atmosphere am i, am I forgetting yeah. any or i got any wrong here yeah, I did one that was about um, the yo-yo despin device for for despinning uh, rockets after they do their spin stabilization. Oh yeah, that was the Kerbal Space one. Yeah, I used <laughs> a lot of Kerbal Space clips on that. I think that's all, I think that's all of the. Yeah, you you really do work. jump around. I try to. I I just get fascinated by things, and I it's hard to it's hard to walk away from those things once you get interested and so so i end up just you know ch just chasing down all kinds of different yeah have you ever had to walk away from an idea whether it's too expensive to test and demonstrate or too dangerous i i don't think i've ever started anything and just and just given up mm -hmm. i think the 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 flow meter video was probably the the one that I <laughs> that I failed the hardest on, mm -hmm. but I still, you know, and a lot of people mentioned this, and I and it was very encouraging to hear. I still put it up there, you know, because I think it's interesting, and you can still learn the fundamentals even if the demonstration didn't work very well. And a lot of people were were really, you know, encouraging about that, saying thank you know thank you for putting up a video even though things didn't go as smoothly as you hoped. That's still helpful. Yeah, and that, and that's still engineering. You don't win them all. Exactly. And and what I think is, okay, if I were going to try to build build a demo like this and I went searching around on the internet, you know, I wouldn't be able to find anything. And so now if someone if someone does try to to take that one step further, at least they'll have <laughs> have a starting po a starting point, yeah. and they'll know what doesn't work. Yeah, and they'll have and, the heck of their comments on what can be done better. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, that's I think that's worth it. But I think that's the only one that I've that I've started and just could not mm -hmm. could not get to the end of it. Has anything been too too dangerous, or do you always keep your ideas a little tame? You know, you don't go adding C four like the MythBusters did. <laughs> <laughs> No, although I know it would get me a lot more viewers if I did more destructive uh, <laughs> testing, and I do, I do have some ideas for destructive testing. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to do some videos on reinforced concrete and kind of because that's kind of a mystery to people, I think, mm -hmm. and it's something that you don't understand unless you've taken some some coursework in reinforced concrete design. Yeah, even if you have, it's still kind of a mystery. <laughs> Yeah, it's so like, it's like semiconductor one. physics. No one actually understands how transistors work. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can uh, do a partnership with the good people over at the uh, Hydraulic Ram YouTube channel. Hydraulic Press? Hydraulic Press. Oh, that's interesting you mentioned that because they did do a video on – they. he saw my Mechanically Stabilized Earth video and he did a video on it. Oh, the Hydraulic Press channel did? Yeah. Oh, I must he, have missed that one. He put a cube, uh, or I think he used a cylinder that he had he had built it. And honestly, <laughs> it's one of the most boring hydraulic press videos that he's done. <laughs> because exploded. It just, yeah, it just looks like he crushed a, a cylinder of sand. You know, it just there's no way to 
there's no way to illustrate how much force it took to do that it? versus yeah, yeah exactly. just a sandcastle, yeah. So it was kind of boring, but but I thought it was cool that you know he saw my video and he was like, I want to I want to do this because I I think I even mentioned in the video I don't have a hydraulic press because it was just when that channel was getting popular. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that I don't have a hydraulic press, so I, the only thing I can do is put my car on this. And he saw the video, and yeah, he he did one on it, and I th- I thought that was pretty cool. And he put a link to the video, which was re- really kind of your channel so, a boost, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit of a boost, but yeah, re- reinforced concrete. I would love to do destructive testing of reinforced concrete. I, there's one video. You guys are all engineers, so you probably know of of uh man i can't remember the name of the hotel but they, it was a big failure of an elevated walkway it's a really famous oh in kansas city yeah i, I can't remember the it's name like of the, the hotel it's like the worst most fatal design flaw in like building history or something like that yes and and when you really read about it the the mistake that was made is pretty nuanced especially to someone who's who's really not familiar with with you know, static structures or the analysis of static structures. And so I'd love to do a video on that and do some destructive testing to illustrate why, you know, such a a small, at first glance, such a small change during construction resulted in such a massive, you know, failure. So that's, I think that would be a cool one. I'm not really set up to do these you know, to do destructive testing in my garage, but I'd like to get a press or, you know, your, your wife's not something. thrilled if you like knock a wall out or the house <laughs> kind of crumbles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that's some stuff. I would like to do that stuff in the future when I kind of have more, more equipment and, and I could do it safely. And if you had a Mythbusters like budget and yeah, yeah, exactly. It was the uh, Hyatt Regency walkway collapse. Yeah, Hyatt Regency. That's it. 114 people died, 216 non-fatal injuries. That is pretty serious there. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you really read about what – obviously, there there's a, a lot more to the story. But when you really boil it down, it was a small change during construction – and if if the layperson were to look at what the change is, you might not you might not immediately perceive why that caused such a such a big decrease in the factor of safety of the design. And and I think it's really interesting. It's a it's a good lesson for anyone, especially engineers. So I think that would make a really cool video. And it's just one that I don't I don't have the equipment to do yet. At least on the scale that I'd like to do it. We could do it at a fairly small scale, I suppose. <laughs> you yeah, don't have to, sure. it doesn't have you to can, be life size. You can always scale down. <laughs> it can, no. It, but you, it you lose something do. with a small scale. You're not replicating you really do. something, you know, some some force is not going to be an exact approximation. It'll throw it off even further. And, yeah. yeah. but And you also lose how interesting it is. Exactly. <laughs> if you're using toothpicks and rubber bands, it's just not as... It doesn't quite have the impact. Yeah. Right. Even trying to do something like the size of a shed is that's a lot of cost and time and right. space too, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean it, it sounds like your wife's pretty on board with this and supportive, but yeah, there's limits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does she find herself pressed into uh service as a shop hand every now and again when you need someone to hold two pieces together or 
she just yeah every once in a while she and she's been in a few of the videos she, she really likes them and, and she's really supportive of the hobby and every once in a while she, <laughs> i'll convince her to be in one of the videos for something i th- i'm trying to think i think in the space <laughs> elevator video or maybe the there's one about angular momentum i can't remember which one but i've got her with two dumbbells in a in an office chair and i spin her around and have her bring in her arms you know it's the classic uh ice skater yes yes uh analogy for angular momentum mm-hmm. so she's in she's in there every once in a while uh do i understand correctly then your uh, your channel has been around for how long I'm, I'm looking at the videos it looks like about a year yeah it, well i think it's been I'm trying to think. Let me let me just look. I th- I think it's been about two years. Two years, okay. I think the first woodworking video I put out was in October of 2014. Let's see. The last video here is uh, Cherry and Spectraloppy a year ago. Unless the YouTube yeah. channel's not loading them all for me. I think that. Yeah, it was October 2014. I think it starts rounding. It just ah, truncates okay. instead of... Gotcha. So roughly two so years. It says one year, but yeah, it's it's been right at about two years, I think. Okay, so you, you've had enough uh, time to put out a, a number of videos. So you've, you have uh, an impressive uh, number of subscribers uh, to your channel. So where do you see this going? What what do you want to see, you know, two more years down the road? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, you know, to me, it, it really is just a hobby and, and I only have so much free time that I can spend on it. Um, I've seen a lot of the YouTubers kind of make it into a full time thing and I, I've never intended to do that and I still don't. I really like being an engineer and I don't want to lose that. Um, so honestly, I can't see it getting, <laughs> I don't know. I've heard, I've heard, you know, uh, Ben Kresnow from Applied Science. He said, he said, there's only so many people who, who are going to be interested in the type of content that I put out. Mm. And yet he's, you know, he's seen continual growth on his channel, which I really like too. You should, you should check out Applied Science if you haven't already. Oh, he puts out some good stuff too. Yeah. So, so I mean, other than just increasing the audience and, and improving the quality and quantity of the content, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what I can foresee for the, for, at least for the near future. Right. Right. No, I, I understand perfectly. We've, we've discussed uh, amongst ourselves and I think even uh, on past episodes that there's a limited audience for those who want to talk about uh, engineering and the philosophy of engineering and the commonalities between subdisciplines of engineering but no one else was doing it, and so we yeah. we felt compelled to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there's an audience for that. For and and there's an audience for for what I'm doing too. I do, I do not want to bring the the. I don't want to bring it down so far that it that it doesn't you know that it that it's too non technical for the people who want to be able to watch technical content on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a tough line to, to draw. And, and of course that line moves for every video, like of the course. Watt balance video, I would probably consider one of the more 
technical videos that I've put out. Um, but I, I definitely don't want to, I don't want to move that line too far because that's, that's really what gives me joy is, is being able to put out content that, that the technically minded people can, can enjoy on YouTube. And Mm -hmm. it's just like you said, there's not a lot of people doing it. And so, you know, I want to definitely fill that, that gap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, with walking the line, technically it, it becomes, you know, your, your assumptions start to break down because you're getting too technical. People start to get more (laughs) nitpicky because you got more technical and that turns it into, it's not a hobby then at that point. Yeah. But, but I don't want to lose. I, I definitely, my, my overarching goal is to make engineering more approachable to people who are not engineers. And so I definitely, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just make static analysis tutorials on YouTube, (laughs) you know, and there's some people who do do that. There's a time and a place for that stuff. I've definitely brushed up on a few things from channels like that. Exactly. And, and I'm never going to be, you know, I'm, you're never going to go to practical engineering to, to yeah, to study for an exam <laughs> because uh, it's never going to be that rigorous. But I also, I don't want to bring it down to a point where it's just, you don't learn anything from it because that, then it's not fun either. Yeah. Well, one of the things I like, and I don't even know if you, you do this intentionally or it's just a, a byproduct of your style, but, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I could never be an engineer because I'm terrible at math and science. Um, and, you know, like deorbiting uh, spaceships, for example, is, is very technical. And obviously, there's a lot of math behind it. But you do a great job of conveying the topics with, you know, math everybody took in high school. You know, not even advanced math. It's a lot of it's <laughs> algebra and to have you know a little knowledge of physics and some algebra, you can you can at least get a handle on what these uh, topics are about and how to think about them. Well, I really appreciate you saying that because <laughs> that I mean honestly that I think that's one of the biggest challenges of of doing videos like I do, and and to achieve it is is really it's tough. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and trying to convince people that you're not some sort of math wizard. Uh, I know I hear yeah. that a lot, and I, I definitely shy away from IEEE papers and stuff if there's too many formulas <laughs> until I can't anymore. And yeah, it's it, it's still intimidating to see a lot of math as an engineer. Yeah, and and if you if you put a lot of math in a video, it, people just turn it off. Yeah. So. Being able to take all that information and condense it down to just the most relevant parts to where, to where if you, you know, if you take away one thing about a certain topic, you get that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's kind of the goal of all my videos. I want to, I want to build something cool, but I also want to teach you just one fundamental concept that hopefully hammer it home so yeah. you know so you take that with you when you're done yeah, like space elevators need to withstand a lot of torque <laughs> <laughs> so i'm I, since we were talking about the first videos and i had i had pulled up the uh, the first one to to take another look at the the uh, published date i i'm watching this in the uh, as we're talking i'm watching that go by and so i'm wondering uh, when you started this channel I was it named practical engineering from the very beginning, and did you know? Did you have an idea of where you were headed, uh, even though your early 
videos were, were seemed uh, primarily focused on woodworking. No, it was it was just when I first started it, it was just my name, mm-hmm. and yeah, it w- was not focused on engineering. Never intended to be focused on engineering. <laughs> it was just me, yeah, making videos of woodworking projects, right? And so, and then you know, as as I kind of did that, and then got involved in career day. That's when, that's when I kind of made the shift, and I think at one point um, I hit some milestone like a million views, and so and that's when I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to rebrand the channel. This is something I really enjoy, but it's I don't want to do woodworking, except maybe a, you know as a part of the videos, but I don't want it to be a woodworking channel, mm-hmm. right? And I think I had already done a few kind of that were geared more towards engineering and less towards woodworking. I can't remember exactly how it all <laughs> played out, but, <laughs> but I did a video where I kind of rebranded the channel and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm changing, rebranded the channel to be practical engineering. You know, I hired a graphic artist to design the, the hard hat logo and kind of went through the whole process of rebranding it. And, and mm-hmm. that's kind of when I standardized the format of the videos with the, with the introduction and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Ah, here it is. Seven months ago, one e six views and a few announcements. That's it. Yeah, that's the one. Man, it's only been seven months. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies. You put out quite a few videos in seven months. Yeah, yeah. So, so it started out with with kind of the project videos, and then I've kind of branched out a little more since that. I've got I did some that I called PE shorts, practical engineering shorts, where. Uh, I try to take, you know, an interesting um, topic in in the news and and just kind of talk about the engineering principles behind it. And I've done a few of those. And then I also started one uh, called What's That Infrastructure, where pe- people send in photos of just things they see. And um, I go through them and kind of put up the interesting ones and talk about just, just different pieces of infra- infrastructure Um I think in the first one you mentioned uh, a famous bridge here in Durham, North Carolina, that catches a lot of trucks that don't pay attention to the yes. height restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> and that one, that one is super famous. Yeah. I, I later found that one, out that one's always making uh, the local subreddits and the, the local news yeah. and everything. No, it's that's really neat. It's so I've been trying. You know, I'm I'm having to branch out a little bit from my from what I know, but. I just think, you know, infrastructure is slowly kind of becoming more a more popular topic, especially mm-hmm. um who was it? John Oliver did a whole uh a whole episode about it. Mm-hmm. And uh it just I, I think it's I think people are interested in it and it's something that you you get exposed to every day of your life but you don't you don't really ever think about it. And so, yeah, it's hard to get a handle on it. There's no Arduino of infrastructure <laughs> yeah exactly and civil engineering is is unique in that way there's 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 no rapid prototyping mm-hmm. or anything like that it's just you know one-off projects usually really expensive projects and so yeah play sim city on hard i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so I thought that would be a neat series and and the the response has been way more than I thought it would be I've I've gotten so many emails from people, and so I'm definitely going to keep keep that series up. 
So yeah, it's, it's been quite a few videos since that rebranding. Now, have there been any skills that you have learned in the process of making the videos that have helped you on the job? Um, that's a great question. I've, n- I've never really thought about that. Yes, probably so. One of the ones is, um, I don't know, I don't want to call it graphic design because <laughs> I'm really scared of labeling myself that way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, making the graphics for the videos, that's mm-hmm. something that's that I've slowly had to learn how to do. And that gets used at work, you know, for technical reports and especially proposals. Um, making little graphics like that has been really helpful. I don't think I've ever done any video editing at work. And I don't... Take pictures of your job site better. They're in focus now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that might be a good one. Some of the things, you know, the the especially the civil engineering things like like the mechanically stabilized earth. I wouldn't say it's it's directly helped me in my job, but it it's it's a good exercise to kind of take something that you think you understand and really boil it down to yes. where you where you can explain it to someone else. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good <laughs> exercise for anyone to go through because it really kind of exposes <laughs> what you truly do know about it and what you don't. Yeah. And so that's probably the at least, at least for a few videos, that's probably something that's helped at my job indirectly. Cool. Yeah, better communication skills are always something good to have and work on and build. Mm. We should talk about that sometime. <laughs> it might be like six episodes on it, too. <laughs> that, that's another one, though, now, now that you mentioned communication. Recording the narration and having to hear, you know, hear myself talk mm-hmm. and and catch your vocal tics. And- yeah. You, you really do pick up on <laughs> your, where you, where you could use some improvement in, in the way you use your voice. doesn't get any better the more you do it either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. I feel, I feel like my narration is, is quite a bit better. I think if you go back to some of the early videos, it's a lot more monotone, um, a lot slower Mm-hmm. And I've kind of learned to increase the dynamics to just m- try to make my voice more interesting yeah, and get better enunciation to, and yeah. yeah, and also to pick up the pace because my, I think I have a tendency to talk slowly. It, you know, I'm from Texas; <laughs> that everyone talks slowly here, and so speeding up is another big one that I've kind of picked up yeah. on. Listening to this podcast, I've, I've found I do some vocal tics. And then I'll listen to it again a few months later, and I'm like, oh, good. All those ones went away, and I got these new ones now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a never-ending battle. (laughs) All right. So we've been recording uh, a little over an hour now. You could probably start to wind this down. Um, Did you find any uh, uh, tools? You know, you already mentioned Vegas for editing your videos. Any other tools you find that are really helpful, uh, whether they're software or hardware tools? Yeah. So like I mentioned before, um, I kind of found that the, at least the cost of entry to, to doing this has been pretty low. I use audacity to record my narration, which is a uh, open source free software. I use, um, Inkscape for most of the graphics, which is also um, free software. Uh, and then I use GIMP, 
which is an image editing software, also freeware. So those honestly are the main tools that I use, at least software tools that I use. And except for the video editing software, all of it is free. And so that, I think that's pretty cool. It's a, it's definitely, it's, you wouldn't be able to find that 10 years ago for sure. No, no, you gotta love the open source community. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and, and the software is at least to me, it's just for what I use it for. It's just as good as, as the commercial products that are available. Yeah, if you had a $100 million movie, you might need to upgrade a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and probably hire a different producer because <laughs> I'm not the man for the job. Uh, as far as, like, like tools, tools, honestly, I think I mentioned before, having having the right tool for the job there's, there's, is really important. You know, if you use a... Uh, flathead screwdriver to open a paint can or something you you can get by with some of that for a while but eventually you realize just just use the tool that's meant for that job and so yeah it's hard to say i think the paint keys are only like 20 cents at lowe's anyways (laughs) yeah that's exactly like there's just a joy in using the correct tool for the job Mm -hmm. and so i've been i don't really I was gonna say. I was just gonna say. I've been in customer labs where it's yeah. For fifty dollars on DigiKey, you could make the soldering process so much easier. <laughs> soldering is a great example because I started off using a really cheap soldering oh, iron, and the, I the thought, Radio Shack iron we've all yeah, learned on. And, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought, oh man, I'm so terrible at soldering. It it never works the way it, it does when I watch people do it on video. Yeah. And then I got a, a a good soldering iron, and it just was night and day. Yes, yes. Practice and a decent iron will take you very, very far. Yeah, and and I feel like almost all tools are like that. If you if you have the right one for the job, <laughs> it makes the job so much easier and more enjoyable. So I don't think I have a, a single tool that I that I constantly go for, but I always try to use the right one. Mm-hmm. Yes, looking at my barrel table I built last year, I could have used a proper jigsaw or a bandsaw, but otherwise I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I guess we'll end with two softballs here. Number one, is your Arduino garden still alive and well? Can you survive it, the winter? It's... Do we have to send up, set up a donation for you? No. Actually, that it's funny you've mentioned that. I've gotten that question quite a bit. That... <laughs> That summer that I put that up was the wettest summer, I think, on record in Austin. So it literally, I think it it turned on one time on its own for the entire summer, and I ended up um, needing an Arduino for something else, and so I just took it out because <laughs> it wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Although the data collection was really interesting, and, and I got like basically an entire season of soil moisture and and air temperature and uh the measurements for for sunlight weren't that great but that data was i thought it was really interesting i spent a lot of time just kind of going through that and and seeing what the cool things were you know different trends you could see all kinds of relationships and trends yeah mm-hmm yeah, if you're into that sort of thing, um, I don't know if you've heard of the Amp Hour podcast. Um, 
But if you check out their episode with Forrest Mims, the guy who wrote a lot of the Radio Shack documentation back in the day, among many other things, uh, he does home meteorology and has been for like decades. Oh, cool. And he talks about like, yeah, his weather measurements that he's done, you know, since he started back in the army. Yeah, that I think that stuff is fascinating. I I uh I recently finished reading a book about the the Galveston hurricane and you know the the early weather service and all that. I thought it was so fascinating. I've always liked data collection and and data processing and I get to do some of that at work uh like with dam safety instrumentation and geotechnical mm-hmm. instrumentation. But but going back to your question, no, it's not working anymore. I've I've salvaged it for parts. Fair enough. Are the are the plants still alive? At least the plants are n- no, they're not alive. Yet. <laughs> you you have to salvage the plants too. <laughs> well, the the plants did well um, for that summer, and we. I mean, my my wife and I love basil on everything, and we ate basil almost every meal. But yeah, over the winter they died, and I didn't replant. I I didn't find myself to be a really avid gardener, and so I didn't replant this season. <laughs> yeah, win, win some, lose some, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're into citizen science, though, uh, check out check out Forrest Mims. He's had some papers published in I think like Nature and everything too, based on his oh his yeah. citizen science work. Yeah, his amateur stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to listen to that. Yeah. That'll that'll definitely send you in a few different directions to see what he's done. And provide ideas for three or four new episodes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What else can you use your Arduino for? (laughs) Any any future videos you can sort of tease out for uh, people who might be interested in your channel now that they've heard about it from our podcast? Sure, yeah. So there's one I'm working on. Well, I'm just thinking about it right now. I don't know if you guys listen to 99PI. That's one of my favorite podcasts. I think I've and heard an episode here and there, yeah. Okay. Well, 99% uh, Invisible. Yeah, 99% Invisible. And it I mean the the overarching topic they say is about design, but they they dabble into some engineering and stuff too. And one of the episodes they did recently was about um a a, a physical scale model of the Mississippi river basin. And I thought it was really fascinating. Um, it was just kind of, I think it was like a one tenth scale model of the entire Mississippi river basin, which is, that's still a really big model. Oh yeah. But, but, but at the end they kind of, you know, they, they treated it kind of sadly that it it had been decommissioned and replaced by computer models. And to me, the computer models are equally as fascinating. And, and I get to use one pretty regularly at work. That's called the, the river analysis system. And it's put out by, um, the, the U S army Corps of engineers and it's free, um, because it's developed by the federal government. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back in the day, it was it was fairly rudimentary, but they've slowly been adding more and more features to it. And and right now, it's actually an extremely sophisticated piece of software, especially uh, for something you can get for free. And so, I want to um, do a demonstration of that software. And I was thinking about trying to use some planetary, like some planetary terrain data, maybe from Mars, to um, illustrate 
you know, how we can simulate the flow of water uh, on on a large scale and how engineers use that data for like floodplain mapping and risk mitigation for flooding and stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of, that's a, that's one that's in my head that I think will be really interesting if I can pull it all together. Right. Click and refresh on YouTube right now to see if it's up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That, that one's going to take a little while to, Oh yeah. You got to get to Mars ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, make sure you on must sees this. So you'll be one of the first ones out of here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you've also mentioned a couple other YouTube channels, you know, Ben Krasnow's channel, uh, Applied Science, and Destin's Smarter Every Day. Uh, Are you you listening or watching anybody else? Anybody you you would recommend? Man. Man. After they get through your back catalog, of course. (laughs) My my wife gives me so much trouble about how much YouTube I watch. I I have a ton of channels that I follow. Um, let me think. AVE is one of my favorites. It, um, just really neat engineering stuff that that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, another guy who dabbles in a couple different things. Oh yeah, yeah he's, materials, he's, electronics, mechanical. Yeah, really sharp guy and really irreverent. Yes, <laughs> totally. Totally different than than my personality. Yeah, maybe don't listen to that one at work. <laughs> <laughs> De- yeah, definitely don't. Um, I, I love machining channels. Like uh, ClickSpring is w- one of my favorites. Uh, there's a small channel called This Old Tony, who and I really like. He, he does a lot of metalworking. Um, I watch Cody's Lab, and I, th- I believe he's a geologist. So I, he does some really interesting... Um, special with metallurgy and uh, refining metals and stuff like that. Let me think. Who else? I like – I follow quite a few woodworking channels too. I, st- I still love woodworking. Mm-hmm. Wood Whisperer's one. I'm sure you've heard of him. Yeah, I, I follow Wood Whisperer. Uh, Frank Howarth is an incredible – he's an architect, but um, he does really neat woodworking projects, but – just how he films them and how he puts the vi- videos together is really impressive. Um, definitely worth, and he does a lot of stop motion too. Uh, like really w- kind of whimsical scenes of of animated wood and stuff. It's really interesting. I'll check that one out. That sounds pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of woodworking ones like John Heiss and, and Matthias Wandel. Uh, they do really neat projects. Izzy Swan does uh, really interesting <laughs> woodworking projects. That's all the ones I can think of right now. But uh, yeah. yeah, I fall, I f- I watch a lot of YouTube. <laughs> oh, I'm always on there as well. It, it's yeah. pretty addicting once you go down a YouTube hole and come out with ten new subscriptions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Grady, we appreciate you coming on. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, do they leave a YouTube comment or? email you through your website what's the best way for them to get in touch with you yeah you could i i try to read all the youtube comments sometimes it it gets a little bit overwhelming um yeah my email address is on my website which is it's just practical.engineering um and if you click the about link you can you can find me on uh youtube you can find the link to my YouTube page. You can find my email address, my LinkedIn, if <laughs> for any reason you want to 
see my professional <laughs> my professional credentials. Um, <laughs> you also have a Patreon page as well, too. We should probably plug that. Yeah, I am on Patreon, and that you know that's something I don't really, um, I don't talk about it a lot because it's it's uh, I don't know some people some people are really into the crowdfunding model and uh and i appreciate that the the patreon folks are the people who i rely on for for feedback and ideas and if i ever have questions usually i pitch it to them first they're kind of the super fans and so i really appreciate them but i don't really feature <laughs> i don't talk about patreon a lot because i i think most regular viewers kind of get tired of stuff like that but yeah if you are interested in supporting the channel you know i use all that that funding to to buy materials and tools and um, sometimes professional services from people like animators or graphic designers, all that money gets funneled right back into the channel to improve the quality of the videos and and hopefully also the quantity. Although usually the quantity is is limited by my time and not not how much money <laughs> I have to spend on the channel. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm more than willing to wait a couple of weeks for a video if it means you can keep putting out what you've been doing. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been an absolute blast. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, this has been a, a lot of fun. All right. Well, great. Grady, we'll see you on the internet, and uh, maybe we could do this again sometime. All right, if I'm ever guys, in Austin, I'll call you. We can. I'll, yes. I'll be like uh, Wilson on Home Improvement. I'll stand behind your fence so no one can see me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If any of you guys are in town, please give me a call and stop by the shop. All right. Awesome. Well, Grady, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Great. Take it easy. Bye. Okay. See you guys. The Engineering Commons is produced in affiliation with Big Beacon, a social movement for transforming engineering education. For more information about the podcast you've just heard, please visit theengineeringcommons.com. Our musical introduction is by John Trimble and our concluding theme by Paul Stevenson. <laughs>